Hi, and welcome to my podcast, On the Grow. I'm Grace Lee. This is the third episode into the series called Walk and Talk Series. If you're new here, I launch my podcast episodes in different seasons that focus on a certain topic. In this episode called When Life Throws You Curveballs, How I Got Robbed in London, I talk about overcoming the curveballs life throws your way. In this instance, a scenario I never thought would happen to me. I was robbed in broad daylight in the middle of a public square in London. I share the story of what happened, how it feels to be in a traumatic moment like this, the mindset shift that helped me overcome it, and how I still made the most of the trip there. Before I dive into today's podcast episode, let's do a life recap first. There's a lot to unpack here, but I'll do my best to summarize. Let's start with the first recap. I'm deep into marathon training, and by deep, I mean past the halfway point and in that mindset where I actually get chills thinking about just how close race day is. So this weekend is my last race before the first marathon. If you're new to listening, I'm running two marathons this fall season. The first up is the Columbus Marathon with my sister Rebecca, who lives in Ohio. It was on our bucket list to run a marathon together. The second one is the New York City Marathon in November. This one has been on my bucket list for five years, and I'm finally crossing it off in two months. Training has been going very well. Three weeks ago, when I ran my 15-miler after a 12-mile race in Central Park, I felt it. I finally felt it. The strength and power that comes from being consistent, weak by week with training, discipline, and determination. And it felt great. I had a call with one of my clients who is a run coach, and we were talking about how a frequently asked question he's been hearing with marathon training is, how am I supposed to run 26.2 miles at marathon pace if I don't even practice it during training? Or why is running at marathon pace during training so hard? And we talked about how it really is about trusting the training. It's supposed to be hard because you're training to be able to do just that. It's just a mind-blowing fact that everything we've been training for and conditioning ourselves to do is for this big epic moment. Just a thought. Anyway, in other news, Bobby and I went on a trip to London and Paris a couple of weeks ago. Something that was decided this summer, which to me is a last-minute decision because, typically, I like to book international trips six months to a year in advance. But we made it work, and we had a packed itinerary going in. But just like in life, there's always unexpected situations that give you a different perspective on life. And there was a particular one that happened on day two of London. This episode overall was an unexpected one because, well, I wasn't expecting or planning to get robbed while traveling in London, but here we are. You know that saying that goes like, it doesn't cross your mind until it happens to you or something along those lines. Well, That was actually the case in my scenario. 
So there's some lessons to this story besides the obvious. Don't casually have your phone out in public. I thought this was an interesting topic to take on. So I'll start back to the beginning of day two in London and how it all happened. Day two of London started out with a bang. I was feeling great from the time shifter app I was experimenting with and Bobby and I went out for a morning run. I had mapped this out weeks ago, casual, and planned for us to sightsee and get our exercise in for the day. We ran over the London Bridge and then over to the Tower Bridge since Bobby hadn't seen it yet. We headed back to the hotel and we split ways. Bobby was there in London for work at the London office for his job, and I had planned to spend the day exploring other parts of London. I filmed a few things back at the hotel while getting ready and exited the hotel with a smile on my face. Before hopping on the tube, I stopped by a sushi spot for lunch. Today's itinerary was to visit the Great Scotland Yard, Trafalgar Square, and then head to Notting Hill. I remember walking from the tube to Trafalgar Square and just taking it all in. It was a big open public square in the middle of a busy intersection. In the sidewalk area of the square, there were one or two people. So I made myself comfortable in this area with my iPhone in hand. I was gazing around and looking up at the statues around me, not really paying attention to my surroundings because, again, there was no one around me. I had even pulled out my tripod to set up my phone for a shot beside me and had my phone still in my hand. I wasn't gripping it tightly and just had it in my hand casually. That's when I heard a loud motorbike coming at me from my right onto the sidewalk. The oddest thing. I locked eyes with the man on the motorbike. He was in all black, his helmet covering his face, except for his piercing dark eyes staring right into my soul. But the weirdest thing was, he was coming straight at me. I originally thought this guy was just drunk or something because in what right mind was he thinking, driving at full speed on this sidewalk in my direction? With little time to think, I immediately tried to step backwards, but my hand was still slightly outstretched. This guy, he knew exactly what he was doing. He swooped right in, grabbed my iPhone right out of my hand, shoved my tripod aside, the remote fell somewhere down the sidewalk, and the bike flew into the intersection traffic with the cars. I screamed after the man in shock. I didn't know how to act in that fleeting moment. He looked back at me one more time to make sure I wasn't following him, and he was gone. And so was my phone. People don't realize that when you get robbed, in that instant moment, your brain... It just kind of doesn't function properly, at least not right away. Your body is just numb trying to process what just happened, but at the same time, your mind is telling you you need to make decisions fast. One thing I realized in that moment was 
just how much security and dependence I had placed on this small metal device. It had everything, from passwords, phone numbers, photos, videos, bank cards, all of it. I needed to call the police, but I had no phone. I needed to reach Bobby, but I had no phone. I was all alone in this very moment in Trafalgar Square, in London, without my phone. It will never happen to me, I thought, until it did. Even though my brain wasn't functioning then, it was finally picking up where it had left off. I felt faint. My heart wouldn't stop beating so fast. And finally, my emotions caught up to the moment. I burst into tears in the middle of the square. I asked the tour guide if I could log into my iCloud on her iPhone and cried even harder when I saw my iPhone moving further and further away from where I was standing. I still have the location. It's not too late. I was convinced. I called the London police and it went to voicemail. I know. Voicemail. My mind was racing on what to do next. Think, Grace. Think. And that's when it hit me. Apple Store. I asked a cafe nearby where the nearest Apple Store was. And fortunately, it was about a 15-minute walk. This sounds like a millennial problem, but I had to manually navigate without a GPS. And it wasn't that bad. The cafe owner was telling me to go three blocks down, make a right, and then another left, and I literally followed the steps he had instructed. I was still in tears, processing more and more what had just happened. How this man now had possession of my phone. The one thing that never left my side. And it was weird not having it on me anymore. I knew the next step immediately was to erase my bank cards, put my phone on lost mode, contact Bobby, and get a replacement phone. Nothing else mattered in these moments. I needed to reach out to Bobby. It had been hours now since the incident, and knowing Bobby... He was probably freaking out. Fortunately, Bobby's the kind of person who checks in with me every hour of the day just to make sure I'm doing okay. And this can go for for traveling or even back home in New York City. And I'm sure he was three text messages in to realize that my phone was off, the location couldn't be found, and I was unresponsive. He had to know. And surely he did. When I got to the Apple store, I was still in tears. In fact, I'm pretty sure I cried even harder. I poured out my entire story to this one employee named Tony. He immediately got to work with putting my phone in lost mode so the robber couldn't even access it. Bank cards were deleted. What's sad is I never thought to memorize Bobby's number because I never had to. It was always on my phone. And the next difficult part of all of this was that even trying to log into my Gmail, Facebook, Instagram, and any social media accounts on an iMac in a London Apple store required second step verification from my phone. I was at a loss. I just needed to get in touch with Bobby. 
but how? I just need to DM him on Instagram. Is that possible? I asked an Apple employee who sadly shook her head, telling me that employees weren't allowed to give customers access to their personal phones. But I could reach out to another customer in the store. I scanned around the store, locked eyes on a few young people. Surely, one of these people had to understand my situation. I was still teary-eyed, after all. I pumped the dramatics a little bit, approached a young woman, and told her my situation, starting out with, I know this is a weird question, but my phone just got robbed a few hours ago. I need to get in touch with my fiancé through Instagram. Is it possible to DM him on yours? The woman gladly handed over her phone, telling me it was fine and that she was perusing for a new MacBook. Perfect. I sent Bobby a DM through hers with a quick message on, Hey Bobby, it's Grace. My phone was stolen a few hours ago and I'm at an Apple store trying to get a replacement. I need your Wells Fargo card to make the purchase. Bobby responded, freaking out, but also skeptical that I was DMing on this girl Natasha's Instagram. He demanded confirmation it was me, asking questions, and finally we Instagram called. Rereading that initial message, I did kind of come off as a scam by asking for the Wells Fargo card and let out a little defeated laugh. I mean, look, clearly my brain was still trying to process what had happened. Surely, I wasn't in the place to be thinking clearly. I ran into the second bump in the road when I called my carrier asking for an eSIM transfer and needed the PIN number that my mom had. I couldn't get in touch with her, so this person was on the phone with me for nearly an hour and a half. We finally got the information needed to activate the eSIM to the new replacement phone. I'll skip the details because that's not too important, but let's just say I had to go through every single member of my family to get this information. And by this time, Bobby had left the office and made his way to the Apple store. With the replacement phone, I would need to come back to London to return it before flying back home. At least that was the best option because it was better to purchase my replacement phone in the U.S. rather than the U.K. So coordinating that in mind, knowing that I would have to come back to London before my flight to drop this off and then head to the airport was just another thing that I had to add to my plate. I had planned to use this phone for the remaining time in London and Paris with my iCloud backup for the time being. Later that night, we left the Apple store and headed back to our hotel, a little defeated, but in some ways, hopeful. Hopeful in the sense that we had gotten through something so traumatic as this. We checked the time. It was nearing 8 p.m. and we still hadn't had dinner then. Bobby and I decided to make up for a not-so-great day with a great dinner spot that I had found while exploring. The dinner was splendid. We had lobster bisque, wine, and to top it off, a cherry dome chocolate cake. As I climbed into bed that night at our hotel, I replayed the scene of the day. 
from the moment where I was enjoying sushi to thinking about what that day would have been to what actually happened. And the horrified pit in my stomach when processing my phone was actually gone to crying all over London to Covent Garden's Apple Store to now. That night, I had nightmares. The man's piercing eyes kept flashing in my head. I replayed that scenario in ways that I wish would have happened. Yanking the man's arm and pulling him off the speeding motorbike to him crashing in the intersection, maybe getting hit by a car. Would I have felt happy then? Walked up to him, took my phone out of his hands. It would have probably been smashed at that point. But would that have made me happy? What would I have done then? Different scenarios flashed in my head. What if it was something else he grabbed? My engagement ring, my purse. Something that was irreplaceable. I had trouble sleeping for the first couple of hours, but then eventually dozed off, letting it go. The next morning, I felt better, much different, with a clear head and a different perspective that helped me overcome this trauma. And the lesson was that gratitude truly works wonders. When you're in a not-so-great situation and you start to feel like nothing is going right, you're complaining about everything, try shifting your mind to the things that you are grateful for. Currently in your possessions. It almost seems like one of those eye roll type of things, but the wonders it does once you start listing what is currently in your possession and the things we took for granted. I assure you, it gets better. For example, Gratitude in the sense that it was only an iPhone. Was it something that was valuable to me? Of course. But was it something that could be replaced? Absolutely. Did he rob me of my health, my life? No, just a phone. And that's where I was grateful. I was grateful he had robbed it while it was locked. I was grateful I had everything backed up on iCloud since that previous day. I was grateful I was able to walk on two legs to the nearest Apple store. The list goes on and on. One thing that I recognized from this situation was how sensitive and alert I reacted to the sound of motorbikes. Even in Paris, in the last days of London, I would stop cold at the sound of a motorbike near me. Or when I would see the men on the motorbikes with helmets, wearing all black. Was it one of these guys? I thought. And it would continue to bring back memories of that split second where he was coming straight towards me. To this day, I can't get the man's eyes out of my head. But I think that's the thing with trauma. It takes time to heal from it, overcome it. To learn to let go and realize that this situation doesn't make or break you. You are a victim of it, but it doesn't define what kind of person you are and the actions that you take moving forward. I hope this resonates with anyone else who is in the same boat or dealing with a similar situation. 
If you were also robbed while traveling, I hope you're able to heal from this too. Be sure to follow along and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Stay tuned and keep listening to the next episode where I cover another episode into the Walk and Talk series. You can submit your podcast topic you'd like to hear next on your walk or run on Instagram stories. My Instagram is at bygracely or send me an email at grace at gracefullymade.com. And as always, if you have any questions, feedback, or topic suggestions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Thanks for tuning in.